pandemic protocols, remote public participation, all things COVID, and the 2021 economic outlook. These things and more on this edition of Facts Legislative Week in Review for Committee Week Number One. Access granted. All right, I would like to say hello to everyone and um, thank you for tuning in or deciding to listen to our legislative review of week one brought to you from Studio 67 here in Tallahassee um, in the FACT building. First, I want to introduce everybody. I'm Davin, Director of Public Policy, or really Chief Servant of all the great people that I work with. But first, let me start with Sarah. Sarah, introduce yourself. Hello, my name is Sarah Henley, and I'm the new policy analyst here, and I assist the lobbyists in all areas, and my email address is shenley at florida-counties.com. All right, thank you, Sarah. Jeff? Hello, everybody. This is Jeff Scala, Associate Director of Public Policy. I handle environment, water, and agriculture policy, and I'm also doing emerging issues in tech like drones and electric vehicles. My email is jscala at flcounties.com. Thanks, Jeff. Bob, with a big B and ends with a little B, let the people know who you are. I'm Bob McKee. I'm the Deputy Director of Public Policy. Um, I'm handle the finance tax and uh, uh, coordinate the appropriations issues. And my email address is bmckee at fl-counties.com. Thanks, Bob. Eddie, how you doing? Talk to the people. How's everybody? Hope everybody's having a good Friday. I'm Eddie Labrador. I uh, am the Senior Legal Counsel for the Florida Association of Counties. Uh, it's a real pleasure to be here. I joined the team recently in December. And uh, I cover growth management, ethics, elections, preemption, and provide legal services to the team. Thanks, Eddie. Tiffy? Hi, everybody. I'm Tiffany Henderson. I'm the Senior Public Policy Coordinator for FAC. I look forward to chatting with you today. And my email address is thenderson at flcounties.com. Thank you, Tiffy. And Ms. Graham. Hello, everyone. I am Tonette Graham. I am your go-to girl for all things healthcare, public safety, justice, and COVID-19. My email address is tgraham at fl-counties.com. All right, now that we got everybody here, let's jump right into it. Um, it's, a, it's being recorded on a Friday, so I know everybody's got stuff to do. Um, we want to do, I want to do sort of an opening whip around with the first five days of 2021 session. Um, so from everybody here, just sort of in 10 words or less, what, um, what was your impression this week of what's to come? Um, let me start with Sarah. We're counting words, too, sir. Okay, so I would say legislators are eager to get started, especially as we ramp up COVID-19 vaccination. Man, that's pretty good. Jeff, was that 10 or 
was that like? That was a little longer than ten. Sorry, right, we'll yeah, go a little it. bit over, but we won't be. We're not counting right now. No, we're not counting. Uh, this, this is committee week number one. Jeff, what about you? You know, the committee process is, is stumbling out of the gate right now, but getting ready for legislative takeoff. Okay, that's pretty good. Pretty good. So, Nick, give me something. Organized virtual chaos. All right, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Very efficient right there with your words. Tiffany. I look forward to what session has to hold. Um, new times, so it's going to be interesting to, to follow along. All right. Eddie from Broward. Tell me, what is your impression from being down there? Well, except for COVID restrictions, some of the same old, same old. Uh, all the bills that are just the same. All right, very well put. All right, Bob, you're on the hot seat. I need you to act like Bob with a capital B here. Ten words or less. Impressions. First week was introductory for many members, introducing them to committees and some of the issues and outlining budget challenges. All right. And I guess it wouldn't be fair if I didn't go. Just my impression um, is wait and see. Um, And just like Eddie said, sort of the same old, same old. But with this COVID twist, I think a lot of people that have been in this game for a long time are trying to figure out and strategize how they can best succeed with some of the rules. And with that, I just want to I'll open up and just so our members know the rules that we're dealing with here or that if you take a normal session and then throw on the caveat that you can't really talk to anybody in person, you got to get a permission slip to go to the Capitol. And so we're trying to figure out how we normally do our jobs in a very non-normal way without going to the Capitol almost. So we anticipated a lot of Zoom, a lot of telephone, a lot of email. But so our members know the Senate is almost completely shut down to visitors. Senators are not allowed or strongly encouraged not to have one-on-one meetings in their offices. You cannot go to the Senate chambers or any Senate committee meeting rooms in the Capitol unless you are an invited guest or subject matter expert to testify. They have struck an arrangement with the Civic Center, which is probably what you guys say, about a mile or two away from the Capitol. And so if you want to attend a meeting in public or give public testimony, you have to go to the Civic Center and then they stream you in audio and video. And that's how you testify in the Senate. The House is a little bit more permissive, but not that much. You have to fill out an online registration request to get to the Capitol to a House meeting. If you win the lottery, you get to go. You got to go to the Capitol, go to the fourth floor, pick up a pass, and then you can go sit in the um, committee room. Other than that, they are strongly encouraging people if you're just going to wave and support, be neutral or wave in opposition. If pretty much if you don't have anything productive to say, don't come just to watch. They're encouraging you to watch on TV. Um, I think both sides are also allowing written testimony to be submitted before the meeting. And while House members are allowed to have one on one meetings, the number of people in those meetings, they're being encouraged to be one or two people and they are having to space those meetings out so people cannot congregate. Um, in open house space uh, or in the Capitol at all. And here's the big kicker. These are the rules for right now. Um, Committee week, um, one and two in January, and then three, four, and five in February. But by the time we get to the end of February, 
things may change. Every week when we produce legible or legislative bulletin and what we've been doing for about a year or two here is like we try to provide you some data because we are a data-driven organization on a popular topic. Sarah, what do you have for us this week? All right, so kicking it off this week with our first data point of the year, I highlighted Governor DeSantis's vaccination initiative, which is called Seniors First, and basically it is the plan to give highest priority to vaccinating all of our seniors in Florida along with our medical providers and our long-term care residents first. And some key facts with this is right now, Florida has a population of around 21 million and there are approximately 4.5 million seniors in Florida, which is about 20.9% of the population. And this is, of course, growing every single year. And currently, Florida Department of Health shows that as of yesterday, 447,000 778 seniors have been vaccinated around the state, which is more than half of all total vaccinated across the state. And this initiative was very important to the governor because approximately 80% of all COVID-related deaths in Florida have been from our seniors. And recently the CDC announced this week that they plan on expanding their guidelines to include 65 and older in their priority vaccination as well. And Florida was actually one of the first states who set this precedent. So I think it will be interesting to see vaccinations getting ramped up here in the next few weeks as more vaccine sites open and partnerships start such as the public's partnership. And thank you, Sarah. We have two initiatives. One is Access 67, which is our broadband access project. And next, the Local Government Efficiency Task Force. And so, Tiffany? Starting with Access Access 67, FAC launched that initiative in December at our legislative conference. Um, we're very excited about it. We are asking that all counties adopt resolutions that basically support broadband and support the efforts of the Department of Economic Opportunity to find those gaps in um, digital divide so that we can have full access for Floridians. I believe this really came to light. I mean, it's something that's been, um, it's a decades old broadband. So it came to light most recently during COVID-19, which closed schools, sent children into digital learning. Um, so it was found that many locations throughout our state, um, you know, as diverse as we are, obviously did not have access to broadband or connectivity. So it's something that we are in support of. We are assisting um, Department of Economic Opportunity by collecting information. Um, we're asking counties, as I said, to adopt resolutions. If you have a point of contact in your county, please let us know who that is so we can keep them updated and get information to them. DEO is also scheduling um, regional meetings um, through the regional planning councils. The first meeting is um, Appalachia Regional Planning Council. Um, it'll be on January 28th. We will provide some information um, for that and we will provide a schedule on our website. So please visit our website, um, again, Access 67, to find out more information. Secondly, with the um, 
as David mentioned, with the Local Government Efficiency Task Force. This task force was created by last by the 2020 legislature. And basically, they're looking at local efficiency um, and how local governments can, I suppose, do things better. They had their first meeting in December. Their second meeting is January 20th. So that's next week, January 20th from 1 to 3. OPAGA is the office that is staffing that task force. They have invited us to the table. We are very pleased and glad about that. And so we will be doing a presentation of what we feel um, you know, works best with county. We'll go over some of the county structures as well as um, provided information on home rule. And uh, of course, you know, stressing and bringing it home that, you know, home rule is basically, you know, that's our mission and that each county is diverse. So um, we believe that local uh, government entities can make those best decisions for their uh, communities. So we're very excited about that and glad to be at the table there. Hey, thanks, Tiff. I think we, we ought to buy everybody a T-shirt, says Home Rule. Uh, so uh, I'm going to work with Bob. We're going to find some money. We're going to buy everybody um, in the legislature a T-shirt. Um, all right, let's get on to... We had really three and a half days worth of meetings. The Senate came in Monday afternoon. The House really met Wednesday and Thursday, if I'm correct. And um, everybody wrapped up yesterday um, evening. <clears throat> Let's start with Jeff. Jeff, sort of what happened this week in the ag environment, water, energy, tech world here? Sure. Uh, there wasn't much going on in the ag world this week, but in the first committee week, sorry, first committee meeting of the committee week in Senate Environment and Natural Resources Committee, uh, they heard a presentation and overview uh, from D DEP Secretary Noah Valenstein on Senate Bill 712, the Clean Waterways Act, which passed last session. Uh, the secretary showcased implementation on how uh, the bill will improve water quality protection uh, by minimizing the impact of nutrient pollution through best management practices, maximizing limited state resources through coordination, strengthening regulatory requirements. The, the bill also uh, includes the transfer of the state's on-site sewage program from the Department of Health to the Department of Environmental Protection, which will be completed in July of this year. Um, over in the House, uh, Speaker Sprouls has prioritized um, resiliency issues through the House Environment, Agriculture, and Flooding Committee. Um, we were really hoping to hear some great presentations this week, but there were some audio difficulties that prevented us from hearing from our great county friends like Dr. Uh, Jennifer Harado at Broward County and from uh, Randy DeShazo with the Tampa Bay Regional Planning Council. Um, they, they were really just recapping what local governments are doing uh, to, to implement regional resiliency initiatives. Um, Secretary Valentine also joined over there to, to do a little presentation on a bill, another bill from last session, uh, Senate Bill 178, which was related to sea level impact protection studies. Um, that bill requires contractors to analyze and consider sea level rise, increased storm hazards, and flooding before beginning construction of a coastal project when it is funded by the state. Um, also, back over in the Senate, uh, they had a little update on the status of the coral reef health. Uh, 
the, the, there's a large barrier reef system off the southeast coast of Florida, and the Office of Resilience and Coastal Protection Director Alex Reed uh, gave a highlight on the stony coral tissue loss disease that is occurring uh, on, on the reef. Um, there's a lot of state resources being dedicated to uh, addressing and re repairing the coral reef health. Um, and just to wrap up environment for this week, uh, there was a bill filed to uh, honor state representative and former Broward County Commissioner Kristen Jacobs uh, to rename that Southeast Florida Coral Reef ecosystem area uh, after her and, in, and really to honor her environmental legacy. Thanks, Jeff. Um, I know there's going to be more to come, a lot more to come. I'm surprised they didn't add another 20 pages to Senate Bill 712 from last year. I don't know where that thing finished. I know they chopped it up and amended it, but I know there's a lot of stuff in there. It would probably be a lot more updates on that. Yeah, I don't think we were expecting another Senate strike all. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Jeff. Um, next, let's go to community and urban affairs, which is really where we have sort of our growth management, transportation, um, and with Eddie dealing with preemptions and stuff. I know it wasn't too much going on this week, Eddie, but um, any comments on this week? Thanks, Davin. Uh, yeah, as you said, there wasn't really much going on in terms of um, uh, committee business. Uh but uh, there was a presentation by the um, executive direct DEO executive director Dane Eagle um, in the transportation, tourism, economic development uh, sub uh, appropriation subcommittee, and uh, his um, presentation was about the disaster recovery funds and mitigation, the disaster recovery programs and mitigation programs that DEO uh, kind of uh, oversees on behalf of HUD. Uh, these programs fund uh, the recovery in our local communities that have been hit by natural uh, disasters, uh, hurricane especially. Um, we found out that uh, there are there are still a lot of money to be drawn down for projects that are happening in these local communities. These are reimbursable projects. In other words, the money doesn't flow up front. It flows when the project is, is done. A lot of senators in the committee uh, had questions about how uh, it would be best to improve the flow of monies and getting uh, dollars to these local communities for these projects quicker. Uh, there was a commitment from uh, Executive Director Eagle to go ahead and um, work with the committee members uh, to find solutions to that. Uh, of note, of particular note um, in the committee itself is that uh, Senator Hooper from Pinellas County uh, requested that the chairman hold a uh, at, at some point a uh, committee meeting to discuss 
future transportation funding, the need for uh, revenues to meet uh, Florida's uh, huge unmet needs in transportation, and also uh, to discuss the uh, dwindling revenues that we see with uh, gas taxes, uh, especially for the future. And the, the chairman uh, Gainer committed to that. Uh, it may happen in in the next uh, week, uh, in, in interim committee week two, uh, but we're going to stay tuned and, and watch out for that. All right. Thanks, Eddie. I appreciate that. Um, and with that, especially when you bring up gas tax, that's a perfect segue. Eddie, you must have done this a thousand times. Um, the word tax is my signal to pass it to Bob. Bob, can you tell us what happened in uh, finance and tax and the economic um, world this week? Yes. The main activities that took place in the finance and tax um arena were a series of presentations that took place in the Ways and Means Committee on the House side, where there was an overview of the state revenue structure. And then in the House Appropriations, the Full Appropriations Committee, the chair went over a presentation about, they gave a brief, a very brief overview of the revenue picture. It actually, in that presentation, referred back to the, um, the state long range plan which was based on the revenue estimating conference estimates from the summer um so the chair there outlined the um, committee stru- the subcommittee structure for the house side the agencies under the purview of each of those subcommittees and gave a brief overview of the revenue picture but again focusing primarily on the long-range plan, which looked back to the August uh, estimate of state revenues. In the Senate Appropriations Committee, Amy Baker, the coordinator of the Office of Economic and Demographic Research, a legislative agency, gave a presentation on an updated outlook based upon the December um, forecast from the Revenue Estimating Conference. The December forecast was significantly improved over the summer forecast, um, adding back substantial amount of revenues. There does continue to be concern among the economists at the state level that, well, after the April and May activity where we had significantly reduced activity during the, sh- the shutdown period and then the, the following month. Um, the activity since then has been significantly better than what was originally anticipated. There is concern, however, that as we get into um, December, we'll, we'll start seeing December sales tax collections um, next week. And so that's uh, December activity, January collections. Um, There's concern that as the cases started ramping up post Thanksgiving in COVID, that the sales tax collections and the other state revenues will start dropping off more like they were expected to drop off during the summer. We'll start seeing that again next week when we get a preview into the sales tax collections after the 20th, which is the due date for most of the uh, dealers, the retailers in the state. Um, So we'll start getting to see if that indeed December did drop off compared to prior year. But uh, um, the November activity was still significantly better than um, even the revised forecasts 
from the December conference. So there's still, I'd say, hope on the revenue side. The revenue estimating conference should be coming back in March to update the forecasts again to support the legislative budget. Um, we'll be watching the revenues up to that point. All right. Thanks, Bob. And, and for all those out there, probably we anticipate <clears throat> we'll get a first real glimpse of next year, probably in a couple of weeks when the governor drops his budget. Should be by the end of the month, beginning of February, at least 30 days before the beginning of session. All right. And now probably the most anticipated topic area, because we've been in the middle of a pandemic, but uh, health, safety and justice and COVID-19, all of that stuff. Tonette is looks like she's going to be the lucky one this session. You know, every session there's a subject matter area that gets all the attention um, and looks like Tonette Tag, you are it. So let us know how did this week start out? Uh, what happened this week in, in your policy area? All right, we'll start with COVID. Things have definitely changed here in Tallahassee. We had two bills up this week um, around the pandemic, COVID-19, HB7, civil liability for damages relating to COVID-19, passed its first committee. This bill is by Rep. Lawrence McClure. It was heard on Wednesday. And this bill will provide liability protections for businesses, educational institutions, government entities, religious organizations, and all of those identified, basically providing coverage for those who had to act in good faith as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic to get things done. The liability protections in this bill as is does not apply to hospitals, assisting living facilities and nursing homes at this time and has no uh, negative fiscal impact on local governments. It brought a little discussion, couple amendments that all failed and ended up passing 11 to 6 and is heading to its next committee stop. Senator Jeff Brandis has the Senate Companion, Senate Bill 72. And the second bill for COVID-19 this week was House Bill 9, protecting consumers against fraud during a pandemic by Representative Zika. Uh, it was heard in its first committee, the new committee, actually, House Pandemic and Public Emergencies. This bill basically holds those accountable from committing fraud on anything vaccines related and providing false information regarding the pandemic and those to come afterwards. All of these charges are third degree felonies. It passed this committee unanimously and is heading to its next committee stop. There were several presentations from agency heads, Director Jared Moskowitz from DEM, the Acting Secretary of ACA, Surgeon General Rick Vies, and Deputy Secretary of Health Shamilia Robeson presented in several committees providing COVID updates, vaccination rollouts, and everything related to our state right now as we prepare to tackle this pandemic. On the health, safety, and justice side, not too much really going on. Committee updates in Senate Criminal Justice, chaired by Senator Pizzo out of Miami-Dade. Staff Director Lauren Jones gave an overview of the Florida criminal justice system. That committee is excited and has a lot of work before them. I'm sure we're all looking forward to reviewing and looking at the infamous Senator Brandis criminal justice package as it will 
be referenced to the committee in the coming weeks and other bills coming before that committee. Wait, I heard they're going to merge the his criminal justice package with the reclaimed water package just so we can get every lobbyist in the world in one room during the pandemic. Jeff, I didn't mean to scare you. That's a train. Yeah. yeah. That is a mega train. Right. And we're going to put the license plates on that bill, too. Waiting so. to explode. <laughs> I'm sorry to interrupt. I'm sorry. To Let me know so I can be sick that day. <laughs> uh, let's see what else. Um, Let's go to Chair Diaz. In the... Senate Health Policy Committee. He entertained a fruitful discussion on Florida's COVID-19 mitigation efforts. Again, given the opportunity for data to be shared, reports, vaccination implementation, um, implementation, a lot of the legislators here shared their feedback from what they were getting from counties and their constituents back home, which is pretty much the same thing we get from our county commissioners. Everybody wants to know when are we going to start covering more than the 65 and older and healthcare crowds, how much are hospitals getting? When are we going to get everything streamlined statewide? And we just have to have patience. We're going to get there. It's progress, not perfection. But I think it's safe to say that in Florida, our leadership has done well. There is not an infrastructure issue. It's a supply issue. So the more vaccinations we get, the more we get out, the more everybody can be better. Guess we got to wear our masks. And last but certainly not least, Senate Pro Temp Aaron Bean kicked off the uh, HHS Appropriations Subcommittee where he shared um, the anticipated budget cuts. So far, so good. Everybody has been managing pretty well. And we had agency updates from ACA, in addition to ACA and the Department of Health. We had the Agency for Persons with Disabilities, Children and Families, Elder Affairs, and Veteran Affairs. And we are looking at a budget of $39.2 billion for this fiscal year. I think that's it for me, boss. All right. And I'm pretty sure you will be dominating these reviews as we get into stuff where either everybody's going to be working health and safety. Um, We'll just all wear different hats. We do what we do. Um, Before we close out here, um, I just want to let our listeners know and our members know um, we didn't talk about a lot of bills today. And just to give you guys some perspective, normally the past four or five years, we've been averaging over 3000 bills filed. If you include appropriation bills um, by earlier, I checked the earlier this week, I think on Tuesday, there were <coughs> excuse me, there were only about 400 bills filed. So about another 2500 bills to go. Um but I'm sure that there are a lot. There's a backlog in bill drafting that will come fast and furious. Um, in the weeks to come, Sarah, um, along with everybody else, will be managing. You can look to our website and our um, policy action center. We will stand up um, our infamous bill tracker and our preemption tracker um, that you all have grown to love that, and you can rely on. We're working on getting those bills in there as they come out, and um, in two weeks when we get back. I'm I'm sure we'll have more discussion. There'll be more actual bill hearings as the legislature gets through these updates and workshops and things of that nature. So as we're headed out, let me go back to everybody. You gave me 10 words about your impression about this week, but let's, 
I'm going to call this segment the last word. All right. I'm going to try to hold you to a word or two. And maybe it's self-explanatory. Maybe somebody will ask for explanation. So I'm going to start with just sum up your reflection of this week again. Um, Sarah, give me one word. I would say promising. All right. I don't need an explanation for that. That's good. Jeff, pressure's on. One word. Patience. All right. All right, I'm okay with that. All right, let me catch somebody off guard. Tiffany, what's your one word? Onward. Okay. Eddie? Ford. Uh, that, that, that's pretty close. I think you and Tiffany talked before we taped this here. <laughs> hey, I got mine from the Onward cartoon. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> but, but, it, but it, I mean. It fits. It, it fits, fits yeah. yeah. All right, Bob. Remote. Okay, that's pretty good. So, Nick. Relentless. All right. Very good. I've been trying to think of a word. I really don't have a word. I'm just going to say um, the beginning. So that's like a word and a purpose. Just the beginning. Um, look, uh, to the staff here, thanks. Um, we got a lot of work ahead of us, but um, we've, we've done this dance before. And as I wrap up, I just want to remind our members, just on behalf of FAC and everybody, um, I'll leave you with some words from my buddy Teddy, Teddy Roosevelt here. It's just, um, it is not the critic who counts. It's not the person who points out how strong, how the strong person stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the person who is actually in the arena. And so there's not only to my staff, but to all our county commissioners. Um, that rings true every year, but especially over the past 12 months during the pandemic, as we go in to this session to try to correct some um and, and, and learn from our lessons that we've learned um, and enact new laws addressing a whole new world. Um, I think that's very fitting. It's very fitting for what we do here at FACT um, and what we love doing for you guys um, on behalf of local government and home rule and all of that. So I think I'm going to remind everybody of that every show. Um, we will not take next week. Um, the next committee week will be the week after next. Um, so we look forward to um, joining you. Everything that we covered here, if you also receive our email, our legislative bulletin uh, via email, um, it should sync up pretty good. And again, if you have any questions, you can email any one of us or reach out to the office. The office number is 850-922-4300. Um, and we gave you all of our emails, but we look forward to talking with you in the future. And everybody have a good weekend.